0: Bye. Hello, world. Welcome to another edition of the TJSideways.com podcast. On this week's edition, Nate Dussel took time out of his busy schedule preparing with his race team for the final stretch of the season at Fremont Speedway to discuss his victory at the Sandusky County Fairgrounds. On Saturday, along with his roller coaster ride of a season in 2020. But before we get into things with Nate, don't forget to please support our loyal sponsors All Star Performance, Engine Pro, and Maxim chassis. Without further ado, here is Nate Dussel. Nate Dussel, It's been kind of an up and down year for everybody, but your racing season seems to be a microcosm of everyone's world in what 2020 is, uh, from the highs and lows. Why don't you take us through some of the things you have had to overcome this year before winning Saturday at Fremont? Oh, well,
1: I mean, obviously we started around, I think the beginning of June when we first got our race in and, um... I mean, as, as, you, as you know, there was, the competition around here was just as tough as it's ever been because everyone was ready to race, and there wasn't a ton of places racing. So, um, kind of the season started, we were we were pretty good, uh, had a lot of speed, but just things didn't really work out to get great finishes. Uh, we were kind of finishing mid-pack at Attica. Uh, we could qualify good, and then maybe not heat race well, or um, maybe heat race well and not run as well in the future, and so that didn't really. Escalates any great finishes. I still felt like, you know, like I said, we had the speed. And then uh, I went to Wayne County and early in the year, and I kind of felt like we had a chance to win there. I mean, uh, obviously Caps as good as anyone there right now, even when the All-Stars are there. Uh, but I, th- I think we could have maybe uh, went toe-to-toe with him. But it just it got so dusty, I couldn't get myself to drive on that uh, edge anymore. And he kind of ran me down, and uh, we ended up falling back to fourth, I think. But... I had a really, really good car there for my, really my first race there. Um, And then after that, I think Attica or Fremont finally opened back up and um, we had a really good weekend, the first AFCS weekend. And then um, again, just we had good speed at the beginning of the year, just not a lot of results. And then we decided to do the um, speed week deal and ran well at Fremont the second night. I think we... Yeah, we ran six there, and then uh, went to Wayne County, and first lap of hot laps, something broke in the steering, and just plowed into the fence, and you know, pretty much wiped out a car. And uh, We'd had, really, we'd had like three part failures up to that point, point with that front axle break at Attica, where we were running, you know, top ten, and um, I think we had a shock fall off at Attica, the All-Star Show, had... <laughs> A, a cap on an oil pump fall or, or crack on the f- first all-star show at Fremont. So it was just like, um, constantly chasing part failures. And then, then we finally just, you know, they really bit us at Wayne County where we crashed and wiped a car out. Luckily we still had another car together. So we got that out for the, um, Doty and got caught up in a crash um, and the B main and that, which again, I thought we had a pretty good chance of making the outlaw show, which would have been pretty nice for our little team. And, and I think it was the week after that's when we won our, our first race there. So we thought, Oh, here we go. We finally, you know, turned the corner and things are, things are looking up. And then immediately the next Friday is that Attica, um, car spun and I never seen him hit him flipped upside down and cap Henry, like, almost drove through my cage and honestly probably one of the scariest crashes I've ever had where I was, when I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, am I seriously hurt? But thankfully I wasn't. Um, and honestly that one kind of took the wind out of our sails and I'm not, not saying we we're ready to quit, but we we're ready to just maybe take a break for a couple of weeks and regroup and, uh, like racers are, we came up with a dumb idea to spend all night putting another car together to go race Fremont the next night and um got that done and then started on like the pole the future and led the first 10 laps or so and then buddy kofoid passed me and you know we had a good battle and then eventually christopher bell got me as well so it was pretty rewarding to spend all night putting a car together to go run second to you know a nascar driver and you know probably a future nascar driver so how important do you think?
0: Yeah, how important you think it was after that second crash, the real bad one at Attica? How important do you feel it was looking back that you got back in the car the next night?
1: Uh, I think it's an extremely important. You know, it's the option to quit. Always the easy option. You know, and it's if you get yourself doing that, and it just becomes a bad habit of, well, you know, if things are getting tough. We need to take a break. Or, and I know it's a fine line between really have to take a step back because you've you're, you know ran out of parts or whatever it is but and if you got a car there that you can race and you're not hurt and you feel like you can put a quality car back together it's to me it's always better to just keep fighting and um get back out there to because you know you, you have those wins or those good nights and they make all if you have 10 bad nights and you have one good night it to me it has always canceled it out or makes you forget about that and And probably the the coolest thing about, maybe the only cool thing about tearing up a car or uh, having bad luck is typically you have people that are you know sponsors or maybe people that aren't even sponsors that see how hard you're working and they just they want to jump on board and they want to keep they want to help you stay on your feet or help you get back up and you know throughout that whole process I I can name off countless people that you know went down to Kistlers and and grab a part and just drop it off at our trailer or, you know, say, hey, what do you need? You know, go to Kistler's and get whatever you need or, um, you know, there's tons of people like that. And that, that's the only way we can keep going, uh, being the team that we are and how small we are is it, it takes tens and of dozens or whatever it is of people to chip in a little bit to help us get a wing or um, a car, or whatever it may be to, to keep chugging along, so – and so that was, to me, that's why it was very important to keep going because your sponsors and people that support you want to see you keep going.
0: Now, I see pictures from Victory Lane on Saturday, and – it's definitely not the prettiest race car I've ever seen uh, <laughs> now, And I say this because your race cars are usually impeccable. I mean, they are usually beautiful, like handcrafted bodywork and everything. I'd I take a double take I like, did he get a ride? Is that someone else's car? <laughs> I mean, when you first walk up to it, you know knowing how impeccable you keep everything, normally, does it make you twitch a little bit or are you still just happy to be out there at that point?
1: Um, me and my OCD, it, it, it takes, it takes a toll on me, but, uh, I was just so frustrated after Friday night. I was like, I don't really care what this thing looks like. I'm, you know, just sick of it. Let's just get to the racetrack and uh, I'm not going to spend any time or money on lettering this thing up. But normally I'm, I'm not that way. Cause when we spent that whole night putting that car together, I was wrapping a wing at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And my brothers are saying, you know, we don't you don't need to have that wrapped, it, you know, it doesn't help you, know, Blah. i like, well, my thing's always been I want to show up at the racetrack and I don't want to show any, you know, kinks in the armor. I want to show that we're, you know, back to 100%. But, yeah, this past weekend, that, that was uh and the funny thing is I walked in the racetrack and there's this hideous, if you can believe it, even uglier number one on it than what was on there. Uh, AJ Havens went and grabbed a piece of orange tape and put a one on it for us. And about made me puke when I walked into the racetrack and seen it sitting there. Um, so I, we ripped it off and then we were just going to run without one because, I mean, we have transponders. I'm not sure why they're really all that necessary, but Fremont made me put one on anyway. So my brother-in-law worked real hard on that one to make her look as pretty as possible
0: it's family effort of course and what was the emotion when you won i mean because that's a big show Five thousand to win that's a pretty big show for a weekly program at fremont essentially a bigger weekly program you know the aga fremont challenge finale after all this you've been through the highs and lows what was the emotion going through your head when you crossed the finish line on saturday
1: um just a ton of adrenaline i mean just just as exciting and Uh, thrilled as i was for the first one um the win was great the the money is great because obviously we're you know trying to dig out a hole and and such but this one almost felt even better because my brother craig wasn't at the first one and you know if, if obviously you know we me and my brothers are together all the time we've always supported each other in racing and Uh, that show that I won earlier in the year was an added on show and my brother had already made plans so he couldn't be there and it just didn't feel quite right um, him not being there when he's dumped so much uh, effort into it and um, wasn't able to celebrate with us in person and then on top of that you know Saturday was a pretty emotional day because I talked to my longtime sponsor Bill Bear. he's the one that does all those bodies and I mean, the guy just works his tail off for us, but, um, he's been spending a lot of, almost all of his time at home with his wife, who's fighting a battle of cancer right now. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with him in the morning and he kind of just wanted to know how Friday went and, you know, I was just real short and, and pissy with him, not at him, I guess, just short and not real happy. And, you know, by the end of it, I just thought, you know, it's, people are fighting way bigger battles than I am. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just racing. Um, can't let it eat on you too much when, when you're having, you know, the the rough stretches because, you know, they don't last forever. Eventually you get through them. So that kind of gave me a little bit of perspective before I went to the race shop on Saturday to just, you know, get back to having fun. And, you know, we had, we had just that in the shop on Saturday morning, tons of laughs. Um, trying to get back to not being so tensed up or worried about, you know, performing, just go in there and let things happen and, you know, let them, let them be the way, the way they'll go.
0: So I've, you know, when I'm in the office, the home office here following, you know, four or five different races a night. And I saw the first thing I saw that came up was your victory lane celebration on Saturday. And, uh, (laughs) You know, a lot's been made about various people being able to shotgun beer, do fun things, donuts. and Was it two or three beer cans you smashed and then promptly over your head, full WWE style? Or what's the story (laughs) behind
1: that? Uh, Well, I was supposed to do it. Uh, My plan was to do it my first win with my dad, which, you know, I've been planning that for two years because I haven't won (laughs) in that long. Um but it just didn't work out the first time and I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't anyway, because like I said, my brother wasn't there. So it just didn't quite feel right. Um But I told my brother-in-law about that plan, you know, probably a year, year and a half ago. And he just came through in the clutch by bringing a couple beers out to the front stretch. And I actually dropped the first one. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be embarrassing if I drop another one. But uh thankfully I caught the last two and yeah, I've i probably watched that video selfishly like twenty times already. It's still just as awesome as the first time I watched it.
0: I mean, I'd give if you wouldn't have dropped the first one, I would given you a ten. I'll only give you a nine for <laughs> dropping the first one. It was impressive. I'm like, damn, I don't think I could do that. I should, have,
1: I should have cropped out the first one, then no one ever knows.
0: <laughs> there you go, Nate Dussel and I talk about this. We're joking off the air because uh, uh, Mike raced for the years, Mike Dussel. And this week, our good friend, Jim Fisher, I love fish. Uh, he's done stuff for us too. Posted <laughs> your photo with Mike's name on it. How many times a racing season do you think that happens where you get called Mike or captioned Mike? Or I'll admit I've had the backspace results where i type Mike's name in just out of muscle memory, but I, I don't think I've <laughs> ever posted one, but, uh, but how often does that actually happen?
1: Honestly, it probably doesn't happen as much as Mike got called Tim Dussel while he was racing. True. Um, but it, it probably happens once or twice uh, a year, so not too often. That's why I got a really good laugh out of that one. And I was actually going to say, you know, since you and I are talking tonight, that yeah, I feel like Mike definitely overshadowed me because I'm sure you talked to him a lot more than you ever talked to me in my 13 years of racing. So <laughs> I think Mike Dussel is still number one. And, uh, TJ slideways is hard. Well,
0: you know, <laughs> you know it's funny. <laughs> well, he's one of the few guys I remember at one race up here where there were the whole crew was chanting NRA, 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 and <laughs> a <few> other things <laughs> that happened over the years. But you know, I, honestly, though, yeah, I probably covered him more than you because you, your career started uh, really as upward trajectory as his. He was winding his down. So yeah, and by and by then, you know, house, mortgage, family, my trips to Ohio, kind of we down a little bit so
1: it's not <laughs> not by
0: a uh a uh, purposeful reason by any matter just
1: announcing up at up at thunderbird and uh, doing the canadian nationals and i know the one year you interviewed my brother before the canadian nationals and picked him to win it and then my, then mike proceeded to stuff it in the fence and qualifying and, uh after he told you i'm <laughs> I think uh, you asked him to rate his qualifying and he said maybe like a D to a D minus and then he ended up crashing and qualifying. Yeah. And that is why
0: folks, I do not pick people for races. (laughs) uh, (laughs) If that happens, it usually does not turn out well. So, So, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, um, the 305 division. There in Ohio is extremely (laughs) competitive. Um, Obviously, when you take the four hundred and ten, there's a jump. But as far as the competitive nature of that sprint car scene, do you think your training in that division makes you maybe a little more, a little stronger to be able to handle some of the pitfalls when you're not running well in that four hundred and ten
1: division? Um, I mean, there's a lot of Great things that came out of running the 305 division. I think the 305 cars at Fremont translate pretty well to a 410. It didn't seem like such a big jump. Um, but really, we didn't have too many uh, down seasons, I guess, in 305s. Um, most of the time, we were disappointed with a fourth or fifth. You know, we just got to that point where. Um, you need to finish top five every night or it was a disappointment, which is good. I mean, that, that means you're doing things right, but um, the 410 deals, it's, I would say equally competitive, just because there's nothing you can really do to a 305 to get ahead. In my opinion, Um, everyone's so equal that it's hard to like, in my opinion, if you put, you know, bounty shots in a mid pack 305 car, um, he's going to struggle to win. It's, it's not a driver's car or a driver's division, I guess. Um, you have to have the complete package. The car has got to be really good. Um, and then, you know, the driver's got to be good as well. So that part of it uh, made moving up to the 410s, <clears throat> I won't say easier, but um, you know, ready for it, I guess. The, the competition is just as hard in the 410s, if not harder, but it's um, – seems like guys have good and bad nights and you know if you hit on your car you're better than you know more than half the field so you can or you can hustle your car and and pass a few more people Where sometimes in 305 you just kind of got what you got you know i
0: also find interesting your career and mike's career have two completely different trajectories you know, when you think about it, because Mike spent most of his time, he did do, do a year of 410, he did most of his time, like in the 360 deal at Lima and some sort other of things. I mean, obviously he had a ride, which helped, but, um, but then, and you've kind of taken a little different path, but you know, how does that, when you two talk to each other, does there, there's probably still some things that translate, but the experience has to be quite a bit different.
1: Um, I would say, you know, most of them translate um mike was a very technical race car driver very involved with uh, him and craig were great communicators uh he was really involved in what the setup was like and so that part like i, I love having mike there because mike can watch the racetrack and watch me and i hardly even have to say a word to craig him and craig can collaborate and say what the car needs more than what i can even relay cause you know, when you're racing the thing after a few laps, you typically just make an adjustment on how you drive the car and you kind of forget what it's lacking, whether it's, you know, it's free or it's tight, but Mike can tell just by watching, Oh, it looks like he's, you know, he, the car's too tight and it's tight in this manner. And then you know, him and Craig can collaborate and, you know, come up with a solution going forward. And then Mike can also watch, you know, qualifying and come down to me and say, Hey, you're going to have to run the top or, you know, it looks like you can do this and pick up time. And that takes a lot off my shoulders because sometimes when you're just sitting in the staging area and you don't have any information on, you know, what line to run, it, it just takes you out of the, you know, be on top of your game just a little bit. And you need everything, everything you can get throughout the night to kind of put a perfect night together, you know, and Mike helps out a lot with that. And Mike, I think Mike would have, would gladly have taken the path that I'm on and uh, race four tens. It was always the dream of theirs. It just never really panned out until you know that one year. And um, but I've been fortunate that I haven't really. I shouldn't say I didn't need a ride, but you know, me and my dad were able to to build our team up ourselves and kind of control our own destiny and and what we wanted to do. And you know, we everyone that we've added onto the team is still our team but we were you know we're, we're able to call the shots and um uh, we want to do 410 racing for the rest of time we can do that if we want to go 360 racing we can do that but you know mike was unfortunately at the mercy of a car owner you know and if a car owner decides they don't want to do it anymore then or if they want to run just 360s because you know that area is where their sponsors are then you're kind of handcuffed in that manner and plus you can find another ride which we know is very difficult to, to constantly find rides
0: now let's level for a second. I want you to give me an honest answer. Which Dussel is the best race car driver?
1: Which Dussel is the best race car driver? Um, I didn't really get to see my Uncle Tim race, I've heard. Uh, he was really good race car driver. Um, I don't know. I, I can't answer this. Oh, I'll,
0: I'll, come on. I'll be in trouble. Oh, no. Uh,
1: I mean, I, I think when you go stat wise you know, obviously I've got a ton of 305 wins and uh, track championships and things but I've been fortunate that the, the minute I stepped in a race car the learning curve was already like pretty well done you know my brothers and dad had already put in all the work and the blood sweat and tears of learning and, and knowing what to do to a race car that by the time I was there I just had to learn to drive we didn't have to learn anything about the car so I, I feel like my career got going much quicker than uh, Mike's was allowed to and Mike quit racing when he was I don't know 35 or so and you know I'm 30 right now so and I would think at 35 maybe I'm in my prime so it sucks that Mike kind of had to take a step back and which I mean he had a family and everything and that's, that's I'd say ultimately what he wanted to do but Who knows what he could accomplish if he raced for another five or ten years in in this area. Wow,
0: that was a diplomatic answer. Well done. So, so, no dirt there. So, let's talk about present day. (laughs) Hey, there's still a championship to be won here, and by my math, you're the point leader at Fremont.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a miracle. Uh, Luckily, most of our bad luck uh, lived at Attica, and you know that Wayne County race we've we've had nights where we struggled at Fremont but I uh, haven't had any DNFs to really put us behind like you know I don't, I don't think DJ's had any DNFs either so but you you almost have to have a flawless season at Fremont to win the championship so still got 3 nights to go who knows what can happen um but I I'm happy to to feel like we're kind of finally back on a path to running well again so We'll to see how these next three nights play out, and if we uh do our very best every night i don't I don't see why we can't be right there in the mix for the last night.
0: Are you a point counter throughout the year or do you just race every night and let the chips fall
1: uh well i i i I look at points because uh I kinda worry about how much money we can pull in at the end of the year and um I don't think about it much during the night you know, just let them fall as they are, but I'll still check on them here and there just to see how we're doing. And, you know, yeah, if we can move up one more spot, you know, that's another 500 bucks or something like that. So I've, i am usually got money on my mind over anything else.
0: Yeah, doing the math in his head, of course. So so <laughs> you
1: know,
0: we obviously got the beer can celebration. Do you already have the next celebration or the potential championship celebration in mind?
1: Uh, I don't have anything else in mind. I, I think in like 2013, I was probably the first one to kind of bring back donuts at Fremont. Um, and then I flipped it over. I think the fifth or sixth time I did it. So I quit doing that for a little while and there was just no way I could do it Saturday night, even if I wanted to. But, <laughs> um, I think maybe if I win a all-star show or an outlaw show at Fremont, maybe I'll climb a fence or something. I know it's already been done, but, uh, I haven't really thought of anything original, I guess. And you haven't done it yet. So there you go. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, Nate, I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the year. Uh, we don't care what the car looks like. Keep putting the, the duct tape car in victory lane. And we're okay. With <laughs> that.
1: Yeah, I got to, of course, so I feel a little bad because, you know, the people that dump money in the race car don't have their name on the car. So we'll get it on there this week. And hopefully I don't have to worry about sticker any more wings the rest of the year. But, uh, Thanks for having me on. It's always good talking to you, and hopefully we'll see you at Fremont one of these nights.
0: I was going to say, hopefully see you later. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, no problem. We'll talk to you later.
0: Thank you for Nate Dussel for taking time out of his busy evening to record that interview with me. That's going to wrap up this edition of the TJSlideways.com podcast. Of course, if you enjoy this and all the other material that were produced on TJSlideways.com, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and on Podbeam. Mostly, though, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I look forward to doing it again next week. Goodbye, everyone. podcast.